Welcome to the W2 Prison Break Show, a podcast and YouTube series hosted by real estate investor, author, and coach Brian O'Neill. Tune in each week as we interview business owners who have successfully planned and executed their W2 Prison Break. You'll hear their stories, learn about their challenges, and what ultimately pushed them over the edge and gave them the courage to break free. Most importantly, you'll discover they are not much different than you. Listen in each week as we give you useful insights and action items to start your W-2 prison break and get you on the path you were always meant to be on. Hey there, friend. Welcome back to another episode of the W-2 Prison Break Show. So grateful to have you tune in for another week. Another awesome guest that we have for you today and helping us to support our mission to educate and inspire 1 million people to quit their W-2 and start the business of their dreams by the end of 2026. It is my firm belief that all of us can start a business around our passion and do what we're meant to do, do what we're supposed to do, and not stay stuck in a job that we hate or we don't like because we have fears around money or that we're going to we're going to give up the security of the steady paycheck and the health insurance and the benefits and the retirement account and all that nonsense. So we continue to bring on guests that can educate and inspire and motivate us to think differently, learn new ways to make money so that we can start the business of our dreams and crush the money block that most of us have and the scarcity mindset that most of us have when it comes to chasing our dreams. And today we're going to be talking with Ty Thorne. He is an awesome, awesome young man and really enlightened. And he's going to teach us about financial literacy and how we can break the norm on finances and talk about money blocks and how his habits lead him to his success. You're going to hear a lot about habits on this podcast about, you're going to hear a lot of commonalities. And Ty has got some great habits that we're going to discuss. And we're going to talk to you. He's going to educate us on how we can multiply our, our income, multiply our income so that we can do the things that we love to do with the people that we want on our terms. So without any further delay, let's get the show started. Hi, welcome to the show. Look forward to chat with you, man. It's going to be a good one. Happy to be here, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, definitely. We just recently met through a mutual coach of mine, Zach Beach, and it just shows the power of networking and reaching out to people. And you know, now here you are on the show. So this is really cool how this works out. That guy's a stud. He is my first coach and he's done a tremendous amount for me. I'm really looking forward to seeing where he's going to head out in the next 10 years. And same with you too. So Ty, give us a little bit of a background on you some of the stuff that you're doing, and then we're just going to dive in. The topic today is going to be really hot. We're going to talk about money, financial literacy, and, and reshape people's mindsets and give them some tools so they can start thinking differently. Yeah, absolutely. So the last seven years, professionally, been doing direct-to-consumer sales, running, building out, scaling sales teams for Vivint Smart Home Solar. Big, multi-billion tech company, just really been in their sales partner. As I've developed that and systematized that and gotten better and better in that also as well. Just been super deliberate kind of in my personal life of the investing and the multiplying the active income that I was creating. And over the past six years, developed a you know multifamily, commercial, doing a little bit of ground up development now, a lot of real estate, a little bit of the normal life insurance and stocks, just 
getting as educated and moving forward as fast as I can in those spaces. And I think those are all spaces that everybody wants to be involved in, but for a multitude of different reasons, isn't. Yeah. Why don't touch on that? I want to just say right where you just left is for a multitude of reasons, they're not. So why do you think that is? Yeah. I actually was having this conversation with one of my reps the other day. And it's interesting. I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned in sales has also been a huge leg for me in my investing and in my other facets of business. In sales, the example I use is this. I think so many of us are conditioned because of the education system. We study, 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 then we take a test. But in sales and in a lot of facets of life, you got to take the test and then you got to go find the material you need to study for the next one. And the only way to get good at sales is you got to take the test. You got to get in front of people. You got to talk to prospects. You got to rep it and rep it and rep it. And then you've got to study the pieces of your cycle that you're not getting done. And I think same thing with investing. I think a lot of people just get caught in the, I just want to study forever, but you'll never know what you don't know or what you need to know next if you just don't take a step. And there's so few places in life where they ask you to step first that I think it's just, it's outside a lot of people's comfort zone. I've never heard anybody explain it that way before. So I'm super glad that you did that. And yeah, it is, you are getting out of your comfort zone, right? Especially when you're dealing with money, because I think that most of us are brought up, at least I was, I'm significantly older, but I was brought up that, you know, when you have money, you got to hold onto it for dear life. You don't want anybody to take it away from you, right? But I came from a generation of savers and that's what we were programmed to do and trained to do. So I think that that might be one of the things that you're talking about. People feel like they have to hold on to their money and they're just afraid to lose it versus what you said, looking at ways of multiplying your active income, which I love. Yeah. And I think I've really, really studied as I've tried to, in sales and in business, right? Scaling is how can you replicate yourself, your mindset, the way you operate, your processes, and then what leads people to the conclusions that they operate with? How are they gathering the paradigm that they're seeing the world from? And I think a perfect example, right? Past generations, you have a house, a car, you work a W-2 income forever and 401ks and these typical retirement vehicles worked out pretty well. Now everybody's got a new car every three years. They're average homeowners in their home for five years. There's cell phones and internet and there's multiple TVs per home. There's just this accelerated consumerism lifestyle. And so those normal vehicles, just they're not sufficient. And the ideology and the people they're learning about money from is their grandparents and their parents. And they're playing a different game with different rules than like what they need today because cost of living 30 years from now, even in the last five years is just exploded. 30 years from now, if you're not multiplying, you're going to be so far behind. So far behind. It's almost like cash sitting idle is like ice melting on your counter. You know, it's just going to be gone and it's devalued by the second. So I heard you, I don't know if it was on your podcast, The Money Game, which we'll talk about here in a bit, but I heard you say something that really resonated with me, which was, and most people don't understand this, right? Which is money is literally everywhere. There's so many different ways to make money. I just think that most of us don't believe that. Like we just don't believe that. Like you have to have a W-2 or you have to have this one source of income and there's so many ways to make money. So I don't know where you said that, but if you could expand on that, I was really interested in seeing the rest of that interview. Yeah, I think that was on my podcast. I was actually a guest on another podcast for a marketing firm I use. But 
It's so true. I see it all the time. Whatever preconditioned things you have, so many people believe that money is a scarce resource. People think money, US currency or whatever you're trading in is like gold or oil. And it's not. It's literally just a metric of value exchange. And they're going to make more of it. There's going to be more metrics created as there's more value in the world to trade. As there's more goods and services, there's going to be more ways to trade the goods and services. You getting yours doesn't eliminate somebody else's opportunity for that. And it's such a different way to think because there's this base social ideology that somebody getting wealthy means everybody else is at the detriment, which just isn't true. There's always an opportunity. Somebody else getting it just means there's more opportunities for you. Awesome. Metric of value exchange. I love that. That's such a great thing that you brought up. You have these active income multipliers. Again, I'm probably going to say it like four or five times. What are some of the things that you really love to invest in to multiply your active income that you could share with the audience today? Yeah, I think for an active income standpoint, whenever I sit down with a new rep, I think most people aren't in commission spaces. I think commission's amazing. I would never work in a salary or hourly. I'd have to be an owner or commission agent forever for the rest of my life. Can you explain why you just said that? Most of us would say the complete opposite. Yeah. And I know why people think this way. People think it's safer to have a guaranteed opportunity of exchange. But the reality is life is so unpredictable and there's so many things that you can't control. But I want to be in control of my financial flow. If I have bigger goals or investment properties or projects I want to do, I want to have the ability to lock in, work harder, work more effective and impact my income. If we have emergencies in my family with my daughter, I want to be able to do that, not just with time. The problem is when you trade time for money, I kind of go through like the maturity of money. That's kind of like being in sixth grade. That's how you view that metric unit of exchange. But it's really just how much value can create. And if you're an owner or you're a commission agent, you're always in control. If you want to turn it up and you want to lever down and you want to fill up the coffers for a rainy day, you can do that. But it's not measured in years. It's measured in effort and efficacy. But in a lot of spaces, the only way you can save the down payment for the house or you can fill up the retirement account is just, you know, how many years do I need to do this and how much can I cut out of my expenses? Yeah, great. I'm glad I interrupted you. Sorry, I was getting back to how you like to multiply your income. Yeah. Continue. And I think that's good because so many people think that way. And to me, it's less safe to be in a position where it stays the same than it is to take control. 100% agree. Totally right. And the first thing to impact your active income is one exposure. Chris and I talked about this. It's people so underestimate our actions are all based on our beliefs and our beliefs are just the information that we have available to us, whether the neighborhood we grew up to, the churches we went to, whatever. You get in different rooms and you get around different people and you start collecting some new information that you haven't been exposed to before. It's going to shatter your paradigms. You're going to really think differently and your limiting beliefs that you've set or other people have set on you, they're going to get peeled back. You're going to start your side hustle that becomes your main hustle or whatever it may be. You're going to scale up so you can level up in the company faster. You start to think outside the box of massive level of self-awareness and what's really in your control. And sometimes we think things aren't, but they are. And that's why we see people shoot to the moon and we kind of stay on the same path. They just have information that they're using better. And it's not a gap of talent. It's not a gap of anything. They just know something we don't. So you got to learn to find it. You said something about getting in different rooms. 
which I couldn't possibly agree with more. I, I was in the wrong room for most of my life. Actually, I wasn't in any room. I was in the W-2 room and it just didn't work out for me long term. I was salary and commission-based. So looking in hindsight, if I was 100% commission-based, I probably would have gotten to where I wanted to go a lot faster. So good thought there. What type of rooms are you looking for? And how often does that change? I was just having a discussion with a mutual friend like about how often he looks to change it. Yeah. And that's a good question. I think the answer for everybody is probably a little different, right? Mm -hmm. I would say you for sure, at least in my opinion, you for sure want to be in a room where people are a couple steps ahead of you. And my goal is always to be the lowest level in the room. I want to be around apex predators kicking ass in the field that I'm studying. And Chris and I actually talked about this. This is something that I believe super completely. You don't just want one facet of winning in that room. You really want to go follow people who have the whole piece of the puzzle, right? Whoever's leading those groups or whoever you're taking advice from is their family and their finance and their time and their health. Is it kind of like all of the things that they want? And is it just a couple steps ahead? And I think the room's change is you're always self-evaluating. We're human, right? We go way too far business one way and family might start suffering. And so we need to find the right sector of people that also care if that's important to you, right? Mm -hmm. They also have the family life and some of that balance, but they're still winning effectively. Yeah. So similar values, similar beliefs, or maybe beliefs that you want to adopt in your life. And then for me personally, I ask you the same question. For me personally, I was always uncomfortable with having people two or three steps ahead of me egotistical, right? Just stubborn. Eh. But I think really it was just a lot of fear-based stuff. Like it was fear to be vulnerable and not know it all. (laughs) Took me a long time to get over that. So as you said, when you're like two or three steps below, I mean, is that something that makes you uncomfortable? So for me, it never has been an issue and I'm not sure why, but I think something that I've started to try to break down is why it isn't. I think something that has helped or at least and believing it helps is I've always had a group I'm teaching. So for instance, I'm in some of these high-level real estate groups or entrepreneur masterminds, and there's some people way past me. And I'm meeting with people in my podcast are doing things that I hope to accomplish one day, but I'm with my sales reps that I'm developing all the time. And so I'm almost in these rooms for the very specific purpose of how can I now serve this group that looks to me. And it's really with that lens, like, I've got to go here because if I'm going to give this value to the layer that looks to me, then I've got to go beyond myself. And that like mission-driven reason of being there helps a lot. Awesome. I love it. So let's you just touched upon real estate a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about some of the deals that you like or how you invest or what you look for in some of your acquisitions that you got going on. So floor's open. I love talking about real estate. Yeah. This topic I could talk about all day. So for me, I definitely feel super blessed doing bigger multifamily projects. And for me, it's a really big, I want things that come with management involved. I want, you know, really businesses that are tied to the physical asset of a real estate Mm -hmm. because I'm still really centric and focused on my career, my active income. I want the real estate to be the multiplier, but I don't want to be a broker. I don't want to be a realtor. People ask me all the time, like, dude, you're doing some of these deals. Why don't you get a broker's license, your realtor's license? I'm like, because I've got killer connections and they get their piece for doing that legwork stuff that I don't want to do. 
I want to be the bank. I want to be the G. I want to be the GM of real estate deals. I'm always looking for first off bigger deals, especially with the way the market's going right now. My team and I, we're super big on cash flowing. It gives you a lot more options. You can hold, right? You can optimize the opportunities to sell at a higher cap rate or you know a lower cap rate. But you can do a lot of things to impact the business other than just the asset itself. But those are big, and then. Obviously, in growing areas where there's just more opportunity, where there is appreciation, and then a big, big piece, you probably empathize with this well, the more money you start to make, taxes are wild. Real estate is so unbelievable in that as you start to understand cost egg and you get into bigger projects, you can really, really shelter a ton of income inside some of those tax strategies. Absolutely. 100%. That's why a lot of people get involved in real estate, especially with high active income, right? So- is there a certain number of units that you look for that's kind of your sweet spot to where you could do all the things that you just mentioned in terms of operating it like a business? Because it is a business. That's what people don't understand. Yeah. Multifamily building is a business. Yeah, totally. And that's the thing I'm always having a conversation with people about. They're like, well, what if I do this single family or if I play in this? I'm like, yeah, the reason I don't do single family is because it's much harder to have passive management in with the numbers and a margin. It's a lot slower scale. It's too many transactions. I don't really want anything less than 25 units. And then looking at storage facilities, those are, I think, I'm sure most people are looking at putting those in and actually getting into some senior care. It's a model that we brought a partner in that knows a ton about. So those we're going big on and in the process of building out my first fund. So kind of meeting with some SEC attorneys and putting the paperwork together for that, all the regulatory compliance on that. But yeah, I think 25. And honestly, I mean, I think the threshold where you can really make management work is probably like eight to 16 is where that starts to be a thing where you can get a whole business in itself. Mm-hmm. But 25 and up, I've realized there's less buyers, there's less bids, there's less people in those price ranges. And there's a lot more creative structured finance opportunities in the negotiations. There's a lot of owners that are bad operators. So there's a lot of value add opportunities because they're just farmer who sold his property and his accountant said, buy this 25 unit because you made a ton of money, but he doesn't know how to run a business. It's so outside his realm and everything's super under market value. And there's just so many things you can see, especially if you've been in sales and other businesses, they're like, we'll go make that a super valuable transaction. Yeah. And I think what you're doing too, because I'm thinking to myself as you're explaining all the stuff you got going on, which is awesome, by the way, is you know, this guy needs a clone at some point, you know, because he's doing a lot of different <laughs> things. And I think what you're doing with Vivant, I always say that wrong. Please correct me, but you're really good. serving you well in your other businesses because sales and marketing is like, that would be a skill. I fortunately came from sales and marketing, but that would be a skill that I would tell anyone like, hey, you got to learn how to do this because you're going to do it if you're going to be in business. You need to know how to do it. Totally. And I just had to bring in a guy in that we're kind of recruiting right now and he's looking at some other opportunities and wants to be a business owner. And we had this same conversation literally before I opened this podcast. And I think so many people misperceive sales and marketing as like charismatic, quick-witted, great debaters, but super, super undervalued. To be really good at sales and marketing, you have to be phenomenal at critical thinking and problem solving. You've got to really, really know how to learn and you've got to be pretty fearless and relentless in spaces you don't know all the information. And those like outside of just the communication skills of persuasion, that critical thinking and problem solving and finding the missing puzzle piece to a little deal, like you do bigger transactions, it's just finding missing pieces to make everything work for everybody. 
Yeah. For most of my life in sales, it was like, how many features and benefits can I shove down this person's throat before they finally say, <laughs> say yes? And then I had to become a real estate investor to understand that I needed to become a problem solver. So he's laughing because he's 100% right. Like, you know, it's solving, not selling. That's what it's all about, right? We were talking a little bit before we hit record here. There's great opportunities with your company in terms of building teams. I think you said a multi-billion dollar business and you guys are all over the place. So talk a little bit more about what the opportunity is for what you're doing now. Yeah, it's really honestly incredible. Obviously, you're going to learn the sales and marketing side, but because of the sector, smart home and solar projected on a lot of financial market, they're projecting about a half a trillion in growth over the next five years between those two markets, just total consumer market. Like a lot of people are putting those devices or glass on the roof. Because of that, Vivint obviously is super aggressive at building out the human capital and sales force necessary to feed it. And so what's so cool, it's an opportunity that's regardless of kind of socioeconomic background or degree or pedigree or family connections, we're actively bringing on zero experience and have a program where we're from ground zero training people up and in the hopes of in that development process, finding future leaders that we can replicate and scale our process with. But we've got some pretty incredible success stories. You know, I've got some kids that have been in between college that have come taking a chance with us during COVID that were 30 grand in debt and couldn't pay their loans anymore because they weren't allowed to go to school or fly. Some of them were pilot schools that made 140 grand in the summer and they're 22 years old, knocking on doors, selling smart home and solar. Wow. Yeah. And it's just life-changing, right? And the trajectory, your paradigm starts to shatter of, well, if this is that, well, maybe my relationships can be better and my spirit can be better. And unfortunately, it just all starts with finances. Yeah. Definitely. And I mean, it's such a tremendous business. I mean, every I'm in real estate, I'm just looking at my back window and, you know, every other house has solar panels on it. So, um, you know, yeah. that, that, that's only going to continue, you know, as we go to a greener environment. So where would people go to learn more about that, Ty? Yeah. My Instagram is probably the best place, just Ty Thorne. And then I have just my regionsimpact.shp. You can learn about some stuff. You can even DM us and we can set up discovery interviews to see if the opportunity is the right opportunity for you, if you really understand it, because it's not for everybody. As you know, as you've gotten into the real estate space post W2, it's anyone could do it, but not everybody will. Because of the effort and tenacity that it takes, there is no clock in pay when you go. But once you learn it, it's the most predictable, effective, fulfilling way, in my opinion, to actually take control of you know the money game in your life. I love it. And I love that. And that leads me into that. Let's talk about your podcast, man. I love the name of the show, The Money Game, <laughs> The Money Game. And we obviously know the name of the podcast, The Money Game, but what is your goal of the show and where can we go listen to it? Yeah. So uh, you can listen to it on Apple or Spotify or Anchor or anywhere podcasts are found. It's mm-hmm. it's on there. But the whole purpose is very similar to what you're doing with Prison Break and W2. It's very similar missions, I think just maybe niched down specifically into people's personal finances. And a lot of people just don't get exposed or they believe they aren't able to get the exposure. And so the reason they don't accumulate the wealth or the control of their life that they want is due to a lack of information. Everybody has to deal with money. And it's unfortunately pretty taboo, right? Especially in our country, parents don't tell their kids what they make, what their expenses are. Teachers don't talk about it. Nobody teaches you how to budget or credit or all this stuff, but everybody's got to pay taxes. Everyone's going to want to buy a home. There's strategies that you got to know. It's as important as reading and writing if you're going to live on this physical planet. 
have to be a billionaire or a multimillionaire or a real estate guru or an entrepreneur. Like there's things that you'd be so surprised if you just started having conversations about it, how much you'd learn and how much you'd realize is in your control. Yeah. Great point. And I encourage everyone to check out the show. And I love what you said about being a taboo topic because it is. I remember the first time, because again, I was programmed. I asked my father, you know, about money. That's none of your business. I remember the first time my kid <laughs> said, Hey dad, how much do you make? It came out of my mouth. I was like, huh? It was like, that's none of your business. Started to, and I had to pull it back. And I'm like, well, so now when I look for opportunities, you know, we're driving around the car and I talk to him about real estate. I'm like, I talk about being a landlord and how yeah. we get paid. So he understands, right? And he gets it now. There's nothing wrong with talking about that. It's like, they're going to figure it out one way or another, right? You might as well give them the data when they're young yeah. as opposed to getting to the point where it's like, okay, no, we're not supposed to talk about money. Money's bad. That's what you're doing when you don't talk about money is you're saying money's bad. It's evil. It's interesting. I know we were talking about basketball before we hopped on. And this is what I help everybody like rationalize with like, hey, if you're a basketball player, softball player, football, I play football and you're an athlete. Of course, you're going to go to coaches and camps and watch YouTube videos and do everything you can to get better. And no one's going to say, oh, you greedy son of a gun that you're trying to get better at your craft. Like, unfortunately, we do that with money. Like, it's not greedy. It's not selfish. It's important. It's a game you're playing. And there's these connotations that if you're going to be wealthy, and it's all the scarcity, right? They don't understand much resources and value there is. You developing yours doesn't mean somebody else has less opportunity. You becoming a better basketball player doesn't mean that no one else gets to be a better basketball player. It just raises the level of the game. So true. We got to get over the scarcity piece. Ty, I want to ask you about habits because successful people, they have habits. Yeah. A lot of them are common. So I just want to ask you what are maybe a habit or two or three that you think really moves the needle in your life that you do on a consistent basis? Yeah, I love that. And it's very underspoken and People will think it's cliche that we're talking about this, that haven't implemented habits or studied it. So critical. Probably the two that I think hands down, I'm always doing that impact me the most is I weekly plan. There's a lot of variations of it, but I've been mentored a lot on this from centimillionaires. And it's so effective to pre-design your week and then go execute and then measure against it. That's a huge self-awareness activity. It really helps you dial in and make changes and make sure you're moving or not moving and realign. And the other one is reading. I read every single day. I probably have read a book a week for a long time. And sometimes it's the same book over and over and over again. But it's such a big part of breaking your paradigms. You've got to get exposed to new information if you're going to hope to take new actions and to have new beliefs. Okay. This is very interesting because the mutual friend, Zach, that we just recorded, he said the same thing. So about playing and executing and then the downloading of information from other people is you take all of their data, right? At once versus bouncing around left and right. So what's a book that you've read over and over again? My favorite book that I'm always running is Principles by Ray Dalio. Mm, yeah. And that's a good one. For the reason of your conversation, right? He goes through the way he systematized his life and his management and his investing theories. The more you can put on systems and the more you can automate in your life, the more freedom you have. Love that. I used to feel the same way. It's like, why would I read the same book 15 times? It's like it lands differently every time, right? Well, why would you brush your teeth every day? You know, or yeah. why would you do anything every single day or multiple times? It becomes a habit and then you become better at it. So by reading Ray Dalio's book, whatever, you've done it, you know, 20, 30 times, 
you could probably recite the darn thing at some point. Yeah. And it's funny. I had this conversation. I'm a huge believer, right? These physical human beings on earth have these massive levels of success that some of us want or whatever it is that you want. Somebody's mm -hmm. done it. You can't operate under the belief that it's just not for you. It's been proven to be done. You don't know what you need to know to do it. If you did, you'd have it. If you were the person you needed to be to hit that, then you'd have it. Like the results will come as you are, you know, like you can move the weight when you're strong enough. If you knew what you needed to know to be a centimillionaire, decamillionaire, or have the time and freedom that you wanted, like you'd be doing those things and you'd have that freedom. You got to keep studying and keep a, being humble enough to admit that, hey, I'm probably the issue. How do I objectively view the way I'm operating and yeah. fix it? That's hard for a lot of people to admit. It's hard for me to admit. It starts with you, right? The weekly plan. I love that. I mean, I don't tell this to you. Believe how many people don't do it. Don't take the time to do it. But anything worth doing in life involves a plan. The pilots have a flight plan when they fly, don't they? Why don't we do that for our life? I mean, which is the most important thing. We'll plan all this other stuff, but we won't plan. Like I was flying blind for years. I just had it all floating around in my head, but there was no execution, no plan. When do you do your plan? What day of the week do you do it? So I do it Sunday. I don't do any work on Sunday and I, you know, church. And it's just the time that my wife and I will come together with our weekly plans and we'll have separate, we'll come together and mesh and make sure, Hey, you know, the alignments and the things that we're working on, the executionables. And just to your point, I've heard a lot of people say this, people spend more time planning their vacation than their financial future, their bender weekend than, than their future. And it's just, of course, people fly aimlessly with no target. When you plan every week, you inevitably come back and I totally missed it or I hit it. Stuff worked. I should probably do that again. Yeah. Wow. That's such a great share about planning a vacation than the life. I remember when I was still at my W2, like 15 years ago, I planned a trip to Italy with my life. I mean, we were down to the 15 minute mark of what we were going to do. I had spreadsheets, and, you know, yeah. I'd never done anything like that with my own life. And it's like, and it was such a great trip, memorable trip, right? It was an awesome trip because I spent all this time, but thanks for giving me an uppercut there, Ty. I appreciate it. A reality I, check. We're, yeah. we're all guilty of it, but it's so real. People ask me, you know, secret sauce or whatever, but it's yeah. just your life. I've said this before. I think it's one of the videos that went viral one time and it's just people, they just want to escape. And it's like, if your work is that bad, all you do is plan time to escape. Like just plan time to live the life you want to live. Beautiful. You shouldn't so, want to escape on Mondays. I agree. How long does it take you to do the plan on Sunday? How much time do you spend? Probably like an hour. It's nothing crazy. Maybe if I change stuff and it's evolved and I've changed mm -hmm. the things that I do, but it's yeah. pretty, then there's micro planning throughout the week. But yeah, it's nothing crazy. Sure. And are you planning around the main areas of everyone's life, health, wealth, fitness, relationships, that type of stuff? Is that what you're planning? Yeah. I like to do an audit of my habits. I like to go my core to me, human capital is big. So my main business, I actually put a plan together for each of the like 10 individuals that I oversee the most. How can I execute something in the next seven days for them? And then obviously with my family, my vivid business and my real estate business, and then my habits. And I have a lot of journaling and calendaring takes place in there. Awesome. Okay. So the weekly plan reading. Those are the top two habits. You ask a mm -hmm. hundred successful people, I would venture a guess that all 100 are going to have that in, as part of their answer. So success leaves clues, folks. 
We're going to follow you on Instagram because that's how we can find you, right? Give the handle if you could. Yeah, just Ty Thorne and then my my region sales, if you want to follow that, you want to get some information there is impact.shp. Mm-hmm. And the Money Game podcast and offline, off before we hit record, Ty, he might dunk on his next basketball video. I'm waiting to see. There, there is some highlights on my Instagram of me dunking. I got to check that out. I play a pickup league. I got to check that out. I can't do it anymore. I'm pushing 50 years old. So I was down in Florida. You know, I tried to tweak it out a little bit and, you know, the back, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. I you might probably have to... still have some of that OG dirt game in you though. I probably, I fade. yeah, where you could still hand check, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> right, this has been great, man. A lot of fun. I really appreciate you being on and sharing your insight, man. You, you dropped some good nuggets today. Before we wrap up, anything that I didn't ask you or any final thoughts that you have before we kick off the weekend here? No, I appreciate you having me on. I love this type of stuff. I think everybody should be have these conversations as much as you can. That's how you move the needle. That's right. Let's no longer make it taboo. All right, good stuff. Everyone, make it a great day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the W2 Prison Break Show. Don't forget, you can watch all full episodes on our YouTube channel. Definitely check that out and please subscribe. Go to www.w2prisonbreak.com to learn more. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review so we can continue to support you and the thousands of others planning their W-2 prison break. Here's to busting you out.